0: This is Victoria Minninger, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J.
1: Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey,
2: Dream Chasers. This is Amy J. and you are listening to episode 121 of Chasing Dreams. It's getting to the end of the year, guys, and I have a wonderful friend here for you today. Her name is Victoria Minninger, and she is the founder of Fearless Women Entrepreneur, mentoring women entrepreneurs to thrive, not just survive, in business and life. She is also the founder and CEO of Bear Creek Enterprises, actively working alongside her husband, Brian, to provide employment opportunities and a positive work environment with the construction industry. From years spent building and running various businesses to her time spent as a staff writer for a large university, she has honed her skills in the trenches of business and the creative world of writing. Victoria lives in central Virginia with her husband and four daughters. And in her downtime, she loves to run and spend time in the outdoors and travel, which isn't really my thing. I, Victoria, welcome to the show, first of all, but kudos to you for the whole enjoying outdoors. I'm not very good at it.
0: Well, Amy, thank you for having me. You know, I, I don't know if I always enjoyed it either until um, here later in my life. And it's just, it's become a place of refuge for me. So I think that's why I like getting there so much get, it's quiet.
2: <laughs> you know, that's funny how you make a point, how different phases of our life, we find that we enjoy things later that we probably didn't before. So maybe there's hope for me yet. Exactly. <laughs> now, Victor, you are the founder of Fearless Women Entrepreneur. And I have a feeling that wasn't something you did right out of college. I mean, how long have you, when did you start that enterprise?
0: Sure. Well, so that fearless woman entrepreneur actually just kind of became more public probably in the fall here um, in September. Um, It was something that was born out of something I was already doing, uh, mentoring other women entrepreneurs. Um, I'm a business owner myself and have been a business owner over the many years and I've just learned a lot of things. And so the women that knew me locally and in my community and and even beyond, they knew I was a business owner. And so they would come to me and say, you know, I'm running this business myself and I just have some questions or they wanted to be able to scale something up and they didn't quite know how to do that. And so, you know, having been down that road, they, I guess they saw me as a place to just ask those questions. And I started getting in conversations with them and I just, I just loved it. You know, just being able to champion another woman in business and watching her grow, has just been really awesome.
2: Well, how did your experience come to play? I mean, You're the founder and CEO of Bear Creek Enterprises. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that company does and what you do?
0: Sure, sure. Well, that company is fairly new as well. It started in June of 2016. Um, And honestly, kind of like you said, it wasn't something that I thought I'd ever be not necessarily running a company, but doing what we're doing now. Um, so often where we start out in life is not where we land up. And so in June of 2016, I was kind of getting to a place where I was just ready to kind of switch careers a little bit in career direction. Up to that point, I had been kind of in the bookkeeping administration world. I had been doing a lot of, we had built a business prior to that for about eight or nine years. And when you're building a business, you do about everything, marketing and HR and running with uh, running employees and, and crews and stuff. And so anyway, but we were back at this place where I was just ready to do something different. And so I was trying to decide what to do. And my husband at the time was working for a really large construction company. And they kept having this need for um, construction cleaning. Basically, we would come in after a project was completely done and before the new owner moved in, like uh, for a restaurant, that sort of thing. And we, I've just come in and clean it. And so I started looking at that and said, you know, I can do that. The margins are really good. The overhead's incredibly low. It would be easy to staff and it's completely different than what I've been doing before. <laughs> so I jumped into that in June of 2016. And For the first six months, it just started really picking up uh, to the point that my husband, he was at a place where he was ready to kind of make a career or just a switch from working for somebody. And so we started talking about it and just felt like, I could bring him on to kind of expand our construction offerings uh, because that's really his wheelhouse and, and what he really loves to do. And so in November, he came to work for me. <laughs> so we're still a woman-run company. We decided to just stay that way. And I work with him in the day in and day out of, of that. So we, we're we a standard construction company that we, we do framing and finish framing and that sort of thing. But then just recently, we've launched these tiny studio offices that we're beginning to put into production for the entrepreneur on the go, where the business person that needs something in their backyard or um, an event needs a, an office space, and we can pull it in and, and get it set up and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I tell you, it's been, a, been quite the ride the last year and a half or so with, with this new business kind of taken off.
2: I have so many questions. <laughs> sure. Okay. okay, let me start with So by day, you're working with your husband. By night, you're still with your husband. Your husband's (laughs) still okay, right?
0: He is. He is. (laughs) There are days, though, that I'm thinking, you know, either he's going to quit or I'm going to (laughs) quit one or the other. But, uh, you know, we've learned to really work well together. Um, It's had to change over the years, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in how we work together. But, uh, yeah, that usually surprises people a good bit. But we've learned, yeah, we've learned how to work together.
2: But that's also wonderful at the same time that you've been able to find a way for you guys to come together to do this. Did you ever imagine that you and him would work together at any point?
0: We actually started working together back in, I guess, 2003. He started a construction company, a a design build remodeling company, needed a bookkeeper. Uh, That's kind of what I knew how to do. And so I was like, okay, I can do that. And so we started working together for eight or nine years and we each had our places that that we were gifted at and we worked really well at. And so we've worked together before, um, in 2009, that, that business closed because of the big housing crash that happened in so many areas. Um, and so we hadn't worked together, I guess, since, since that point. And we were just ready to kind of go back into that again.
2: That's great. I love that you guys are are making this work and that, you know, you're doing something that's also helping others. And, this is a really neat idea about the whole studio trailer thing. How did that come about? Because that doesn't seem like it's a, you know, natural thing to do.
0: <laughs> no, not not really. And really, that was really the brainchild of of my husband, of Brian's. Um, you know, he was trying to find something that... Was something that we could produce. So when you're in construction, a lot of what you do, um, a lot of money goes out ahead of time because you're, you know, buying material. You're having to pay labor before you get paid, and so the cash flow is just a lot different in construction. But in this kind of production type business, it allows us to, um, it allows us to be able to build a unit. Um people pay, you know, at least a portion of it and we're able to build it and then bill it right away when it's finished. And so for us it was it was part of that. Um but also just my husband's always loved the whole tiny tiny house movement. And so and we've always really worked hard at living simply and stuff. And he began to just see a need for we're just at a different time now. You know, uh, people are working from home. They're working remotely or whatever, and they need spaces to to kind of land in offices. And so that's kind of how it all kind of came together. And it's still coming together. We're still working out the details of it. But it's been really exciting so far.
2: Well, so if we back up, right, and, mm-hmm. and we go back to young Victoria, What did young Victoria want to be?
0: Well, when I was a kid, I think I wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) You know, I loved my teachers and I just really thought, you know, I'm going to be a teacher one day. I'm going to teach kids and do that. Uh, But then as a teenager, I was um, doing a lot of babysitting. I got completely burnt out and just thought, now I'm not teaching. And so that I didn't go to school for that or anything. But what I learned later in life was that I actually still really like teaching. I still like working alongside people to help them learn different things, just in a different setting, not actually a school setting, but more, you know, adults, um, college age students, that type of thing. And so, yeah, as a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher, but it looks different now than what I thought it would when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, I, I'd say I lo- so, but you can tell that there are strands of your interest still being used today, just in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's funny how those things morph and change if you allow them to. So often we have things in us as kids that we think, well, there's no way I can use that, what I thought was a gift, and and we stop searching uh, to see how we can use it in the changing world of today. Um, But yet often if we look around, I think we can find those places where we can start plugging in those passions that we had forgotten about as kids or whatever.
2: Now, you have kids, right?
0: We do. We have four daughters.
2: (laughs) Do do you see in them dreams that are coming up that they might want to chase, like you kind of saw in yourself?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, each each one of them has something um, that we can point to and go, that really is something that... um, that they want to pursue like one of our daughters uh, we have actually have a set of twins that are in the middle and our one daughter loves horses and so year a couple of years ago she was all excited about horses and we said you know well we had a farm at the time and we're like we'll we'll get this horse and we'll just see how you take care of it and then we'll go from there then we'll talk about lessons and all that and and this is a child that doesn't like to get dirty she's mm-hmm. very much a girly girl <laughs> and stuff and that child was out there mucking out stalls and grooming that horse every day of the week and um, really stuck with it. And now she's almost 17 and works for a trainer um, in our local area. And and that's what she's pursuing. And we're encouraging her in that. Now we want to see her put the hard work in for it, you know, to know that this isn't just something you do for two months and then, oh, well, not interested anymore. Um, You know, if you really want something, you got to work hard for it.
2: Oh, I love that. I love that the passion is there, but also that you and your husband are you're essentially role models for them. You're the direct role models for them in the work that you're putting together and what you're um, making happen. And the fact that she's, you know, mucking out stalls because she enjoys it (laughs) so much and she's passionate and that you're encouraging it.
0: Yeah. I think we need to do that in our kids, you know, and it's also, it's okay to let them see you succeed, but it's also important for them to see you, how you fail. Um, And, you know, how you handle that afterwards. And our kids have seen us fail often (laughs) and we never hide that from them. Yeah.
2: I was going to ask, I mean, you say that and I, I don't disagree with it. I think that it is important to see not just the positive, but the negatives to chasing dreams and that sometimes it doesn't always work and you know how we make ourselves better when we fail. But when you and your husband failed individually or collectively, however it was, did you do you sit your girls down and then talk about it? Or is this something kind of organically that's felt and and explained and understood?
0: Yeah, well, we, we did a little bit one, Mostly sitting them down, um, like when our business failed uh, back in 2009, when that whole housing crash had come through, um, a lot of people went out of business, and we were one of those. And it was a painful, painful loss. And our girls were a part of that because they had always seen mom and dad working in this business, and all of a sudden it was gone and it was done. And you know, mom and dad were trying to work through those emotions that come with that. And instead of trying to just hide those behind closed doors or whatever, you know, it was a sitting down. And now at the at the ages that they were at. You know, we were careful how we shared. We obviously didn't share all the deepest details or whatever, but we talked about, you know, yeah, mom and dad are struggling and this is why, but this is what we're doing to help move us through this, you know, and, and that the, what their role is, because our, k- our kids are so much more intuitive than we give them credit for. Sometimes <laughs> they pick up a lot of stuff that you don't realize they pick up. And so I think to have an open commerce, be able to have an open conversation allows them the ability to express their emotions, to be able to be, you know, handle that honestly um, and to know that that's okay. So that when that happens to them, they hopefully know how to then deal with that in a healthy way. Cause it's going to, it's not, if it happens to them, it's when it happens to them because it will.
2: And how did they take that? I mean, I know it's for me, if, if I had that conversation, it's difficult, it's difficult, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to hear your parents are struggling the times are tight and tough. Were yeah. you surprised by yeah. your kid's reaction?
0: No, not really. Um, you know, we let the tears flow because the tears they they need to come. they need to know that that's okay to you know express that. Some of them you know asking allowing them to ask their questions about why something didn't succeed, you know and to be able to be honest and vulnerable as a family and, and we've always done this with our girls even beyond these type of situations. So it wasn't unusual for us to sit down and have a family meeting or whatever with them about different things and just encouraging them, you know, to express what was in them and, and, and to know that, you know, this conversation would go on. It wasn't a one-time conversation. It wasn't, we sat down, okay, we've cleared the air. This is what's happening. We're not talking about it anymore. Um, those conversations still come up, you know, years down the road after we've been way past that. Um, they'll talk about, yeah, those days that were really hard um, and, and we're not gonna be able to protect our kids from everything. And so, you know, we do our best to help them process through it.
2: Yeah, I I think it's, you know, kudos to you. It's not always easy having that conversation, especially with kids. Uh, but I do think that they learn something from it. And mm-hmm. you guys are a parent. I mean, clearly, you're an example of not just what you do when you fail, but hey, here's what happens when things go well. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I need to know how to handle how to handle both things with grace, you know, and um, with humility as well, you know, when they have those victories and when they have those defeats and, and how they approach people, because often, often our reactions are around other people, you know, and how are they going to handle themselves appropriately in that? And do they always get it right? No, not, they don't. But then it opens up another conversation as, as to why, you know, the, you know, the attitude was the way it was. And, and what I tell my girls all the time is that, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the other person did or said, it's it, you, you own your own reaction, you own your own response. You are responsible for that, um, and so um, doesn't mean that whatever happened with the other person and wasn't right. Like if his sister was mean or whatever, um, and they won't get in trouble for that, but they own their own response. And that's the same thing in life when they fail or 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 it, you know win at something; it's their response is just as important.
2: Now, as someone who has gone through the ups and downs of dream chasing, right? Um, yeah. What are some skills that helped you the most in what you went through? And is that something that you think um, your girls have picked up from you? Or is that something that, you know, people have to go to school for to get lessons on? Like, how does that work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's always important that you surround yourself with people that you learn those kind of things from that are strong, that their life shows what, ha, you know, how you want to be in, in life. But, but like, and when we were going through those really hard times, you know, one of the things that we talked with our girls often about was, you know, it's, it's good to, it's okay to take this conversation outside of this small area. The, there are those safe people to talk with, you know, when you're chasing dreams, you need those safe people that you've given permission to speak into your life because you don't want everybody speaking into your life because, <laughs> you know, those unsafe people, but the safe people to speak into your life um, because, and and to be able to, to, to tell you, uh, the hard things, um, to challenge you on stuff, to not always just say yes to you, not be the yes person all the time, but also be the no person. Um, and so, you know, invite people, save people into your life to, to help you walk through that. And then, you know, just being really honest with yourself. I think so often we know deep down in our hearts more than we're willing to admit at times, you know, and we have to just get really honest with ourselves when we're chasing our dreams and um, how it's going.
2: I love what you just said, though, about how you let the safe people in. Because oftentimes I think people, myself included, allow the opinions of others and probably too many others to influence myself and the decisions I make. And that's not an easy thing to cut off. And especially in distinguishing safe people versus unsafe people, using that terminology, what would you say are uh, distinguishing factors between the two? Like who, if someone was like, hey, I'm trying to work on d- defining who's, who should be giving me opinions, who I should let in and who I shouldn't, what do you suggest I do as an exercise?
0: I guess what I do is, as I look and see, you know, how long that person's been in my life, you know, and what value have they added before the crisis came, before the, the difficult place in my life came and, um, you know, what is kind of, what is their, their track record, I guess. Um, and uh, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown and just reading her stuff. And she talks a lot about, you know, finding those safe people and, and the marks of a safe person, you know, the person who's really interested in you and hearing you not so much interest in just telling their story Mm -hmm. or, you know, an instance where, you know, they had something go wrong and this is what they did or that negative Nancy person that's just always, you know, raining on the parade, <laughs> but isn't overly helpful. But that takes time, you know, to build their relationships. Um, and usually, it's, for me, it's a very select few, a very select few. Um, like Sound says, you know, they have to have earned the right to hear your story, to know um, what is happening in your life, so they can give you, you know, good feedback. And those people are few and far between.
2: Very good point. I mean, uh, I I think Brene really does talk about that. And guys, I'll have some links to Brene's TED Talks and stuff that mm-hmm. you should check out on the show notes page. But uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, it's, it isn't an easy task and you're not always going to be successful for that. That's the part I think um, was the hardest to grasp mm-hmm. is kind of being like looking back and going, huh, huh, made a wrong call there. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to step back in what I tell you kind of thing. Mm hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we really struggle uh, people in general as people. I struggle with this and worrying about what other people think. Unfortunately, at times I worry about what other people think, the wrong people think, (laughs) you know, the people that at the end of the day. And honestly, this is one of those conversations I'll have with myself saying, "Okay, is this a person that if you know, if I needed to call somebody in the middle of the night, could I call them?
2: Mm, That helps me determine. That's a good one. That's a good one because if I look at my list, yeah, the people on my list are people I could call at 11 or at 5.30 a.m. You know, I probably text them first, guys, but I could call them (laughs) if I needed to and they would understand.
0: Right, right. And they would they would drop what they needed to drop and just come if you really needed them to. And I've been in a situation or two where that is has happened to me where I've just needed somebody right then. And I had that person, you know, it hasn't always been true in my life. You know, there definitely have been lonely stretches of my life where I wasn't sure that I had anybody to call. But again, and when you, I think when you recognize that, you know, if you're in that place right now, then you start cultivating those relationships because they're going to be really important and key to help you driving for that dream down the road. and, And as you go along,
2: I would say this, and let me know if you agree, don't be desperate about it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give yourself away emotionally, you know, just to any old person because they are your friend. It's right. Yeah. It's very easy to kind of slip into that when, especially when you're vulnerable, vulnerable and just kind of starting out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. And, and, you know, one of the things I think about, you know, is that you know, when you're going down the street, you're not necessarily sitting there looking down at the sidewalk looking for all the quarters or missed pennies or whatever. You just kind of are walking down the street. But if you come across one, you just pick it up and you keep going along as, as, as you know, just naturally walking along. I think it's the same thing with relationships. You go along, you be aware, and then you, you see – as relationships come, you know, is this a fit? You know, is it a natural fit? You know, and you'll know whether it is or not. Um, It may take time, but, um, but you'll know whether it is or not. And, and it's okay to be selective in that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now I got to ask, because it's one of those things, just like, you know, kind of meeting new people, going outside your comfort zone in doing that. One of the things I would have to do, like we mentioned at the top of the show. Is go outside and kind of get used to nature, which is outside my comfort zone. But you know, we talked about how stages in your life things change. How how did your love for the outdoors and just kind of the relaxing nature did that just come naturally? Did you go outside your comfort zone for that?
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things that I I grew up uh, on on a farm, and so I was always trailing after my dad on a farm, (laughs) and um, so I had that 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 love of nature at that point. But I can say that life kind of got in the way. Well, life got in the way, busyness got in the way, you know, raising kids. I forgot the things that I actually really loved to do. Um, and it was it wasn't until I walked through a very difficult part of my life, you know, um, where this was after our business had failed and we were re- rebuilding our life that I went through a really deep season of, of depression. Mm-hmm. And um, I took some time to sit with uh, with a counselor because I just knew I needed somebody that was safe, that place. And she really challenged me and she said, I, you know, I want you to really get back to those things that you used to love and what are those? And I had no idea. I'm like, I can't remember the things I used to love to do. I have no idea. And so she really challenged me to start exploring that. And so um, we, Brian and I usually take a lot of walks around our neighborhood and stuff. And we, we live really close to the mountains and we just decided one day to, to go and, and take a hike. And um, I just, it was at that moment that I'm like, oh, I really love to do this. And it, And it was a different it was different for me because we had just, we've always been in a very busy season with kids and business and all of that. And I realized that I had not taken just time to walk in the quiet of nature um, and go hiking and that sort of thing. And now it's, it becomes, it's become a regular occurrence. We go hiking almost every weekend, you know, on the Appalachian trail or whatever, and uh, the pieces that are around our place. And it's just been life giving for me.
2: Well, good for you in, in reaching out and talking to someone, especially when you went through that depression and just, you know, getting help. Cause that's, I think something that we all suffer with silently sometimes is depression and and the difficult times that we have, we just hold it in. And Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you, you found help who helped you also find something that worked for you. Right,
0: exactly. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that could kill our dreams. It was, it was on its way to killing my dreams really fast. And I had to make, I had to make a choice. You know, I had to choose to either stay where I was at in, in the bitterness and the anger and all of that, the things that had led to that depression, or I could, you know, pick up my bootstraps and, you know, get, get healthy and better and follow those dreams again, because it was either the death of the dream or it was chasing after it again. And that was, that's always very painful. Um, But But often I think too, especially as, as women, um, I'll speak for women because obviously I'm not a guy. So, you know, maybe (laughs) this is true for guys too, but for us as women, we often feel very alone in that. We think nobody else has ever experienced that or gone through exactly what we're going through. And the truth is, is that there are so many that have. And, um, so to, so to be able to have those conversations, I think is healing in itself.
2: Yeah. And, you know, was it difficult to make that decision though? between the death of a dream and ch- going back to chasing it.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely because, you know, when you're in that place of of just really struggling, uh you always there's a hopelessness that comes with that and you're not sure that anything will ever get better. Um and yet and you know that the battle to get from that place to chasing that dream again is going to be hard and, you know, I had to And there were some days that I just like, okay, I just can't do this. And then the next day I'd wake up and go, okay, one more step. This is what I'm going to do, (laughs) you know? And it was just, it's been a, it's been a journey for me for probably about two years now. And, um, and now, now we're in this place. And I think that's what drives me so much to want to continue to mentor and work with other women is because to encourage them that their dreams don't have to die. Uh, despite the difficulties that that come. And if I can be that encouragement, if I can be that challenge for another woman, then, you know, then that's that's awesome.
2: Which, you know, is fantastic. And it's wonderful that you're giving back in such a way. What has been surprising after? I mean, it's only been a few months since you've officially formed it, so to speak, uh, with fearless women entrepreneurs. But what has been surprising about creating this safe space?
0: I think that uh, there are probably a lot more women out there that are running businesses than I realized, (laughs) you know, when you're in the midst of uh, and we run a, you know, bricks and mortar business. And there's a lot of women running bricks and mortar type of businesses, not just online, but but doing that. And they are hungry for a place that there's others that understand them. You know, um, well, and I thought that maybe there were already places like that. And so as I got to looking around before I even really launched that, I'm like, you know, I'm not really finding a whole lot out Hmm. there like this. And so that's part of why I did it. You know, uh, the need was there. People and women were, were beginning to call and email me. And I'm like, and after like the fifth or sixth email, Brian looked at me, he said, you know, you really need to do something with this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He just was like, listen, at this point, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, we launched, I launched into that and we are just see where it's growing and going. And um, it's been exciting.
2: No, that, that's that gotta be awesome. And, and so rewarding, not just for the people you're helping, but for yourself. I mean, to give back in that way, I'm, I'm a big believer of that. And I'm curious, uh, you know, between fearless woman entrepreneur, between bear Creek enterprises, between studio trailers, between your family, I mean, you have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. next? Is there a next, or are we gonna kind of let's see how this goes? It just started a lot of it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think right now it's it's just seeing where this builds uh, because, like you said, there are a lot of things on my plate, and one of the things that I you know I get uh, questions a lot about the or especially one specific thing is about. How how you balance it all? How do you balance kids? How do you balance work? How do you balance taking care of yourself? Yeah, um, and especially after I, what I walk through, I'm a huge proponent of caring for yourself, Um, probably before you actually care for anybody else, as contradictory as that may sound before you care for your, your kids, before you care for your husband, before you care for your business, you take care of yourself because if you're completely run down, then you, you're not your best for those, for those that you, that really matter to you. And so I just want to see, you know, yeah, see where this, see where this builds and goes. And, and we, you know, we still have a whole team of people at Bear Creek. Um, Our heart really is to provide a, an environment where they can grow and hone their skills and really um, feel valued and feel taken care of. And it's, for us, it's not just the employee. It's when when we hire somebody, it's it's like we're hiring the whole family. You know, we're there committed to caring for them as an employee and for their family. Um, And I think when we do that, we just, we really help people to grow and we make our communities better and we make our companies better.
2: I think that's absolutely true. I mean, Congratulations, because when you look back on 2017, I mean, it sounds like you have so much going on and I can't wait to keep following your journey into the new year. What is something you would recommend now that we're kind of gearing up to or winding down one year, gearing up the next? What is an action you would recommend to a dream chaser getting ready for the new year?
0: Well, I think one of the things that I recommend To the women that are, you know, within in the community of fearless women is that we, you know, is about taking everything that's on your plate and looking at it and saying, okay, is everything on my plate still supposed to be there? You know, is it is the season for that particular thing done or is it something I'm to carry into the new year? Because I think if we don't take an honest look at what's on our plate, um, Mm. I do this every quarter. I sit and I and I look at everything on my plate every quarter from my business to my family to to the things I'm doing um, myself And I say, is it still supposed to be there? You know, am I making room for the things that matter? And and for me, it's not just about balancing it. It's not about an equal balance. It's am I giving appropriate attention to the things on my plate? And if I'm not, then something's out of whack and I need to remedy that. And so I think it's always a good thing to do um, every few months, but most certainly at the beginning of a year and go into your year knowing that what you're tackling and what you're putting your feet to is really what you're supposed to be doing.
2: So you're essentially auditing yourself every quarter, like every four months or three months? I do three months.
0: Every every 3 months, yeah. Um I have this um this thing called a balance sheet and I that I created and um I just sit down and it just and I just get really honest with myself and I say everything on my plate, absolutely everything, every commitment I've got whether it's personal or it's business and I do, yeah, I audit it down and say okay, what realistically how much time is that taking? Did I allow enough time for it in this in this season of time? And if not, then you just have to I think if you really want to succeed at your dreams, you got to be really honest about where you're at and next steps and what it's really going to take so that you can say no when you need to say no and when you can say, so you can say yes when you you need to say yes and do it authentically and not, you know, regret it or be angry <laughs> cuz you said yes to something <laughs> and you really shouldn't have.
2: So, so yeah. May I ask have you actually taken things off your list because of your audit?
0: There have been. Yeah, there actually has been things um, like this last quarter. Someone had asked me about doing something particular in the community, and it, it was it was an awesome thing. And I said, mm, yeah, I I just I just can't. You know, I've committed to these things on my plate and I have to give them, you know, honest attention. And, you know, when you're honest with people like that, I think they they respect that. They may not like the answer, but they'll respect that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wow, who are you talking to? That they took that rejection. Well, I'm sure you. You you let them down softly,
0: right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The, the well, gentle when, rejection. When people do that exactly. You know. And <laughs> but you have to. I mean, I I actually talk uh, with my girls about. Um, you know, about the concept that you only have so many yeses to give, like healthy yeses. And once you've given all those out for a season of time, everything else, no matter how good it is, is an absolute no, because you can't give your very best if you're stretched so incredibly thin. Um, and so it's not easy to live by. I'm not even saying that, you know, because there's some great things that come along that I'm like, oh man, I wish I had room for that. But, you know, because of the season I went through in depression. Part of why I got there was I had too much on me. I had too much on my plate. I said, yes, to too many good things. And I crashed and burned really hard and it affected my family and my relationships. And I'm just not willing to do that again. And so I take the steps to stay healthy, you know, ahead
2: of time. Good for you. That's awesome. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping us to close out 2017 in style.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Amy.
2: And Dream Chasers, that was Victoria Minninger. What a great story. Loved every minute of it. And guys, she is absolutely right. You know, you got to audit yourself every now and then and see how things are going. Check in with yourself, so to speak. And she has been so kind as to share a balance sheet to help you with that. And you can find that as well as all the links we mentioned and more about Victoria on the show notes page over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 121. That's episode 121. And guys, we're getting closer to the end of the year. That means the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. Definitely now is the time to look in, check in with yourself, check in with the dreams you're chasing. How's it going? Take steps towards fixing things if you need to. Keep doing the things that are working, you know, revise the things that aren't. And be true to yourself. Let's make 2018 a great one. Okay. So until next time, guys, keep chasing.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at chasingdreamshq. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.